Would you please join me in prayer? Loving God, we ask that the words of the psalmist may enter our lives, our hearts, and our voices, that praise may be on our lips, that you would instill in us a sense of wonder and awe and reverence, and that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts might be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been trying something new in Lent, that in having a short reflection from the preacher and then a meditation that you're guided through. This is the third Sunday we've been trying this. The first Sunday we looked at the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus gives instructions about how to pray and gives us the Lord's Prayer. Last week we looked at confession and today we look at the practice of praying through praise. And so I invite you just to go along with this and uh, we'll be leading in a meditation out of the reflection and we'll see how it goes. This is again an experiment that we've been trying and so far the feedback you've given me has been good feedback, so we'll continue to try it. I have a friend who believes that smartphone technology has actually killed our sense of wonder. That actually, whenever you have a question, say, how many people live in Mongolia, or what, what are, how many stars are around us, or anything about the infrastructure of the water system in our city, you don't have to wonder very long. You just pick up your smartphone and ask Siri to tell you the answer. Now, I'm not sure I agree with my friend. I should tell you that I grew up in a household that whenever I had such a question, often at the dinner table, a question like, where is Timbuktu? Or what is the capital of Mongolia? Or who was William McKinley? My father would send me into the family room to the World Book Encyclopedia set that sat above the television. He had paid good money for that set of 20 volumes. We got a yearbook every year that had an update, and he expected me to use it. And so I became accustomed to using those volumes, often dragging them into the dinner table and bringing out maps of anatomy or maps of the world. And I will say that when the internet took off and smartphone technology, I was thrilled <laughs> because I now had the World Book Encyclopedia at my fingertips. It has been pointed out to me that this is not always a welcome practice. <laughs> that sometimes rather than enhancing the dinner conversation, it actually detracts from it. I tend to enter things manually instead of using Siri, and so sometimes the answer comes after the conversation has already moved on to other subjects. I found myself using it this week as I was thinking about the Oscar-nominated movie The Martian, which for some reason had a profound effect on me, and I found myself wondering these random questions like, how long is a day on Mars? The answer is about 24 hours and 37 minutes. Or what's the average temperature on Mars? It ranges from negative 218 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit, but an average of negative 67, which made sense by why Matt Damon wouldn't go out without his suit on. Or how long is a Martian year? And it's about 1.88 of our years. Now this could be irrelevant information. It is somewhat random but it helped me to wonder a little bit further about what it would be like 
to be left on Mars. A sense of wonder. My friend's point about cell phone technology, I think, is something for us to think about as we live in the information age, that perhaps we get coaxed into thinking that information is this finite amount of stuff. And that also we can get the right answer just by using our phone or the internet. Of course, as we know, it depends on who's writing the answer and what sort of research they did. And sometimes I think by thinking the information is already out there, we do kill our sense of wonder. But wonder is at the heart of the spiritual life. And wonder can lead us to awe, and awe to reverence. And the response to awe and reverence is praise. I mentioned to you in my letter this week that about four years ago, Anne Lamott published a book called Help, Thanks, Wow, what she considers the three essential prayers in life. And I think that help is a prayer we're very accustomed to and often use whenever we're scared or worried or facing a big challenge. Thanks is a prayer that we maybe go to, remember to go to, to thank God and to thank others, but we often need a little prompting. Gratitude, I think, is one of the best antidotes to worry. Gratitude to help us sustain ourselves in the spiritual life as well. But I wonder how often we say, wow, and move to the prayer of praise. Lamott says that wow is sort of a gasp. It can be at something beautiful and wonderful, like a beautiful vista, or something terrible, like a horrible crash. She says this, wows come in all shapes and sizes, just like people. There are lowercase wows, these are the times when we sink into something modest that delivers above and beyond. When you crawl between clean sheets after a hard day, you are saved. You feel like you are the best sandwich ever. You're being taken care of from the top and the bottom with not a crumb or a lump or a wrinkle. Wow, you can't believe you felt so low and lonely till you thought to change the sheets. The cotton feels like cool, smooth skin. A lowercase wow might be seeing a kid execute a dive at the town pool, or coming upon a blanket of poppies in a field that was destroyed by grass fire last summer. And then we know the uppercase wows. Yosemite, fireworks, watching puppies being born at the neighbors when you were six. Remembering that first semi-sort of being able to imagine the sheer size of dinosaurs, maybe at age five or six, trying to comprehend how a brontosaurus could be 75 feet long, and what those feet must have looked like. As you studied dinosaurs in school or in your book, you took out from the library because you had to know more about them. You learned that they were doomed and that they died out and you saw paintings of them with their dinosaur families, and you saw that they did wriggly, pouncy family stuff. The nicer ones nibbling at the high leaves like gigantic, lumpy giraffes, or like your grandfather taking a piece of turkey before Thanksgiving dinner. And then they were gone, those dinosaurs, kaput. And when you're a little kid, that's about as trippy as science gets. These huge creatures that once roamed the earth are now 
fossils. Everything from Stegosaurus to your granddad appears, roams the earth for a little while, and then vanishes. Wow. And let's not even get into the planet, Slamat says. That's when it all becomes terrifying for a decade or two. Not just that there are other planets, which is awful enough upon first hearing, but there are also other suns. That just seems wrong. What a nightmare. Not just a few other suns, but dozens of them. No, this can't be. It's too much. Then it turns out there are hundreds of other suns and then thousands. And you could have a nervous breakdown at seven years old trying to take this in. And then again at eight, when you learn there are also a hundred other universes. The only good news is that we somehow ended up on the one planet where someone thought up Monopoly and Oreos. <laughs> there is something about staring up at the sky, looking at the stars, perhaps in August when you are able to lie out on a dock and notice the shooting stars that happen across the sky, and somehow getting a sense of your place in the world, somehow wondering how that can all be up there, and remembering that you, that I, am not the center of the universe. We are players in a larger drama going on, bits of God's divine imagination scattered across the universe. And when we really let that sink in, when we really let ourselves enter into the wonder and awe of it, that can be a big wow and invites our sense of praise to live in such an amazing place. Another one of my favorite writers, Barbara Brown Taylor, talks about an exercise she does to get her in touch with this sense of reverence with the world. I want to just share with you what she says, and then we'll do a little meditation somewhat similar to it. She says the easiest practice of awe that she knows is simply to sit down somewhere outside, preferably near a body of water, and pay attention for at least 20 minutes. It's not necessary to take in the whole world at first, but just take the three square feet of earth on which you're sitting, paying close attention to everything that lives within that small estate. You might even decide not to kill anything for 20 minutes, including the salt marsh mosquito that lands on your arm. Just blow her away and ask her please to go find someone else to eat. With any luck, with these 20 minutes, you will soon begin to see the souls in pebbles, ants, small mounds of moss, and the acorn on its way to becoming an oak tree. You may feel some tenderness for the struggling mayfly the ants are carrying away. If you can see the water, you may take time to wonder where it comes from and where it's going. You may even feel the beating of your own heart, which is a miracle enough. A miracle of ingenuity that does its work with no thought or instruction from you. We did not make our hearts any more than we made the trees. We are guests here. We have been given a free pass to this modest domain and everything in it. And if someone walks by or speaks to us during this meditation, we may find that our power of attentiveness extends to this person as well. And even if we don't know this person, we may be able to see her soul as well, the one she thinks she has so carefully covered up, 
there is something that she is working on in her life the same way that you are working on something. Can you see it in her face? Because we're related, even if we don't know each other's names. So I invite us to enter into some meditation together here that we might let our imaginations take us a little bit further into wonder and awe and praise. So I invite you to settle yourself comfortably in your pew, to put both feet on the floor, to take a few deep breaths, and I'd encourage you to put your hand on your heart or on your pulse so that you can feel your heart and your lungs, and take one big breath and let it out, remembering the Creator God who gave each of us life and these miracle hearts inside us. And another big breath, remembering the miracle of our bodies and that Jesus shared this body on earth and the experience of it with us. And a third big breath for the Holy Spirit that floats among us still this breath of life and fills our lungs. And another big breath for yourself, God's beloved child, in all your beauty and strength and intelligence and creativity. And taking our sister Barbara's advice, I invite you to set yourself beside a beloved body of water on an ideal day or evening. And just take a moment to watch the ripples or the waves, whatever the water is doing in front of you. Whatever breeze, whatever warmth, whatever sounds you hear nearby, just let them become a part of the scene in front of you. Invite us to be curious about the water, how it's moving, where it comes from, where it's going. be curious about what lies underneath, whatever plants or animals make their home in this water. How did they get there? What are their lives like? If you find your mind or thoughts getting distracted, bring yourself back to your breath and back to the water. 
take a moment to notice the light, whether the sun or the moon, whether the stars, perhaps a candle shining nearby. And be curious about the place where that light is coming from, whether millions of miles away or just a few feet from you. What is it like there? Let your mind soar up into the sky, into the heavens, far above you. And check out with wonder and awe all that you might see. After a moment in the sky, I invite you to come back to the water's edge. Take another big breath to breathe in whatever calmness and serenity of that place. Whatever breeze, whatever warmth, whatever light. Notice the plants trees, the bushes, the flowers, any friendly creatures that are around that water. And be curious and wonder what their lives are like. invite you to turn once again to your heart and your lungs, to your body. This constellation that you carry around of beating, pulsing, circulating, moving parts. And the whole miracle of it and how it works And follow the air as it goes in and out of your lungs. Follow your blood as it goes around your body, nourishing you, sustaining you. This ingenious machine that is the human body, set into motion by some miracle of life. Just allow yourself to wonder at it if it helps to move your fingers or wiggle your toes or move your head side to side, go ahead. 
and having taken the time to survey the world outside yourself and the world inside, I invite you just to say, wow. To give praise to the source of life. Whatever that may mean for you, however you envision God, the spirit that keeps you in this world. And let us pray. Loving God, we give thanks for the wonders of this life. Grant us the patience to slow down, to notice them, to pay attention, to take them in, and to give ourselves the permission to say, wow, in big and small ways, to praise you for this wonderful world and these wonderful lives that we are given to live. Amen.